Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Serial Chronicles is a Bayard Chronicles production. Hey everybody, it's time for our second Serial Chronicles Q&A podcast. I am Nikki Bandini. I have with me Mina Rizuki. And I also have with me some questions that you have been sending into us guys at the hashtag Chronicles Q&A, questions about Seria topics that um, you wanted to hear from us about. Uh, Mina, you ready to do this? You ready to get in some questions? Yes, definitely. All right. First one comes from Kyle. I'm going to say Kyle Baggin. I'm sorry if that's Beijing or it's pronounced differently, but Kyle Baggin from Washington, D.C., Mina has spoken in the past about the mentality of certain clubs not being up to task, e.g. at Napoli. Uh, but is it possible to pinpoint where a culture like that starts and ends? Are these problems down to a coach, an owner, or a region? Wow. Am I starting this off, Nikki? You're, you're named in the question, I Mina. Know. The question is, Mina has spoken in the past, so I'm going to kick gonna kick the bucket in your direction firstly Kyle yes and it seems like you might agree um I don't know but um mentality for me is a huge thing and I don't know what it actually depends on I do don't know how to let's say put it into practice obviously having a coach like Antonio Conte can be a shortcut to developing a mentality but it's not because he just screams at his players all the time but I also think it's about perhaps investing in some characters that make the difference. Um, I'm going to tell you a story that I always say all the time because I, I remember speaking to a sport, uh, to Fabio Paratici at Juventus and Nori Shahin at the time was the best midfielder in the Bundesliga, but he decided to go for Arturo Vidal. And I asked why. And he said, well, because after the match, after like training session, I w- when I was speaking to Arturo about possibly moving to Juve, I said, what do you like to do in your spare time after training? And I made a point of wanting to see what he did after training. And he said, I go ride horses. He said, you ride horses. And he's like, yes. And he goes, if you have that much energy to ride horses after a training session, then you are just somebody that's obviously wired to expend a lot of energy and have it. 
Um, and he, it was just because he said that he can't sleep until he basically, you know, like a kid who basically can't sleep because he's got so much energy. And for, for Paratici, that was a great sign. And that was somebody that he needed to have on the midfield because he knew he was just going to run and cover and devote everything. Um, just like when he spoke to Tevez and Tevez said, you know, I want people to see the beauty of my game. And, and it, he kind of came in with a little bit of a um, chip on his shoulder. It was like, I need to prove myself because I'm Carlos Tevez and I don't want to be seen as somebody who just didn't make, didn't work. You know, he was great in the Premier League, but there was just all this fuss about him in Mancini and about not coming off the, the bench and stuff. So Sometimes it's about having those types of people seeing what drives them, what their ambitions are and what makes them. Um, it doesn't mean like you can't have a quiet character like Ang- Anguissa, for example, his tactical intelligence is what Spalletti says stands him out from the rest of them. And he wants to do well. He comes back at halftime and he takes notes of what happened in the first half to tell his teammates what he'd like to improve. I think having characters who care and for me, usually those characters are not ball players. I don't know why. <laughs> it's almost the players that are off the ball that I feel like I tend to have these characters because they've got to compensate for the fact that they can't necessarily play that stunning style of aesthetic football. But it's about everything. It's about management that's always there that you can refer to them. You know, having Paolo Maldini always available, having at the time Juve's directors available, having a presence matters, I think. And then having a coach that's willing to talk to you like Stefano Pioli, these things matter. And I think that they've all got to work hand in hand because otherwise, you know, sometimes the smallest nuances can take things away from you. And, but also, likewise, you can just have a coach who is very vocal or is that kind of man like Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte. And for many, that's like a shortcut to, to maintaining that great mentality. What about you, Nikki? I think this, the, yeah, it's, this is a question which probably like there's layers and layers you could get into with this question. Um, I think when it comes to Napoli specifically, um, I do think there is a some element of the culture that comes down from the top. I think Aurelia De Laurentiis is um, an extremely forceful personality and I think his personality has at times weighed on that club. I think at times he's let his personality get in the way of progress of that club because of his relationships with the um, coaches, because of his need to control situations, because of his... Um, whims quite frankly um but i think you can also sort of take that on one level and you can also talk about individuals personalities and i do think there was this story that was in my head this week um that claudio ranieri famously when he was at roma was the man who pulled off Rossi and totti in the middle of a derby and won it you know the things were going badly and he took off his two roman players and they won the derby and i i think that sometimes there is that thing that can happen where someone is is too invested. And I wonder if there have been times in, in at, at Napoli where Lorenzo Insigne has been such an important player, brilliant player for them for years, but you needed a strong counterpoint to that as well, because sometimes being too passionate about your team can become uh, something that can hold you back. And maybe, maybe they found the answer. Maybe the answer is to pair him with Victor Ossiman, who is not... Neapolitan, but he's brilliant. Who knows? Very early to say, but just that was another thought that was in my head on that question. Yeah. Also, you're right about the the management, like Aurelio Di Laurentiis. I wonder whether sometimes just being so man managed make you naturally like rebel if someone like interfering and everything. Anyway, I don't know. But we shall move on to the next question. This is from Paleo Pizza at Pizza Paleo. Um, 
Should you? Which makes me sad because paleo pizza means no carbs and carbs are great. But carry on. Oh, I'm not such a fan. <laughs> should you? I'm such a carnivore. I need to learn to do other stuff. But anyway, uh, should you let Dybala's contract run out in June, given the timing of this latest injury? What forwards? <laughs> I feel like you're going to enjoy this. What forwards should they try to sign in January and or the sum the summer? Nikki, over to you. I mean. Should they let his contract run out? Probably not, because um, that's an asset with a financial value to them. And yeah, whether you want to let that player go for nothing, um, I would be very cautious of that. Um, they definitely don't want to let his contract run out. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, again, you don't let your good assets, assets that have a market value walk away. And I think part of Dybala, whether or not his market value is as high as the contract he wants is another question, but he's not, um, he's a player with a market value. And actually, um, perhaps even a player who on the other side of this should be himself thinking it'd be better to run down my contract and go be somewhere else because I'm not certain we've seen the best of him now for the last few years. Well, forward, should they try to sign in January and or the summer? I I just don't think that's the thing I think they need most. I'm not saying you couldn't get a better centre forward than they have because uh, obviously Alvaro Morata has certain questions about consistency of goal scoring at, at a particular level. But as we um, talked about on our main podcast this week, I think they have such an abundance of attacking players that you should be able to find solutions within that set between Kieza, Kulisevsky, Morata, Dybala while he's there, if he's still there. Um, I, I think there are even Bernadeschi who does good things for the, the national team. There are enough answers in that area of the pitch. I'd much rather see Juventus, um, and I think Allegri will agree on this one, I'd much rather see them strengthen in midfield and, and maybe even at fullback before worrying about the attack. Yeah, Nikki, I think you answered that perfectly, frankly. I don't, I mean, this is what worries me as well sometimes about Juventus and how they've handled their finances. It is giving, you know, 7 million net salary to Chesney when no one was knocking the door for him. So there's no need to do that. Um, it is potentially giving Dybala this huge contract when, again, we don't know if we can guarantee his continuity. So I think things should be taken down a level so that people who are coming to the club understand that we don't dish out these huge salaries because it's ended up with Ramsey and Rabio where we, we don't know who to sell them to and they won't accept lower contracts because of how much has been given to them. And you understand they arrive for free. I get that. But I think the way that things have been handled is the reason why there needs to be so many cash injections just to add to whatever we went through with the pandemic. So there needs to be some intelligence on that level. Dybala, exactly. I mean, he is a great player. If he's happy to stay on a reasonable contract, you know, um, then we would love to have him, I think. I think Juventus would love to have him. I think they're just a little bit worried about how much he is asking for and whether they can meet that. Mm. Um, but there are choices. It's Kulisevsky, it's Kese, it's everything that Nikki's just mentioned. I don't think there's a need to add more to that team. Um, for so long, it was Carlos Tevez and Fernando Llorente. They reached the 2015 Champions League final, you know. But I do think the midfield and the fullback positions are in desperate need because when you're looking at Dichilio and uh, as your like alternative to all of this, it, it's just, it's not good enough, is it? So, and when you're looking at the midfield and the fact that you are just basically relying on Bentancourt and Locatelli, potentially Rabio, who's just all over the place most of the time, Ramsey, who's never going to going to have the continuity. And I don't know where Arthur is. Is he coming back at this point? I don't know, you know, 
But there needs to be more balance there because when we look at the best teams right now, we look at Milan's midfield, we look at Inter's midfield, um, we look at Anguissa and, and Fabian Ruiz, and th- those are the teams that do well. So we need to pick up lessons from that. We have next question from Ben McLeod. Loving the show. Thank you very much, Ben. Um, sorry, fake Ben McLeod. Ben McLeod is the name. Fake Ben McLeod is the Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> loving the show. Thank you, Ben. That's very kind of you to say. Or, or indeed fake Ben. Um, it doesn't matter as long as the opinion is real. Um, both the deep dive and the, the Q&As. My question to you is, do you think the league can get back to the status it had in the 1990s and how could they do it? Gracias. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I want to be able to share Mina's facial expressions with you. <laughs> I just, I mean, I would love to say that football is cyclical and it will, you know, it will once again be that way. But I think that in the last four years, Serie A has grown a lot in people's minds. And especially if you look at the ratings from different broadcasting channels, it's still, it is actually one of the most watched and one of the most bettered on as well. And it makes a difference because right now it pays to have Serie A, which it, never, it didn't used to sort of 10 years ago. Um, what I will say is one of the reasons why Serie A was good was it had the best players. And in order to have the best players, then unfortunately, you're going to need a lot of money to do it. When you are talking about an economy that doesn't work as well as as the, as the German economy or as obviously England, uh, where there is, you know, free trade, there is the ability of having a sheikh who can come in and spend tons of money. Um there just isn't that scope right now in Serie A to do that. Also, it's very hard to invest in Serie A because of obviously all the bureaucracy that there is in the red tape when it comes to just building something as small as a stadium, you know, which is really should be the staple of every club, right? So when you don't have these things and you can't attract the investors that would be willing to, to spend money on the club and raise the economy of, of the country, then it's a problem. But I also think there's a reason why so, you know, Milan, Inter and Juve and a few others would have loved to have been part of the Super League project because I think this is where they, they understand what's holding them back. They just want to make sure that Europe doesn't stay out of touch with the ones that do have a great economy. Um, and so that was why the idea was born. But Serie A being the top league again, it's frankly, it's impossible. And I there's just one thing I did over the weekend when I was doing a, a speech on on football and Ronaldo. And Ronaldo cost Juventus 22% of their operating revenue per year, whereas he will only cost 5% of, the, of Manchester United's projected revenue. I mean, that just goes to show you everything, like what an investment he was for Juventus, where he is just sort of nice to have in the dressing room at Manchester United, even if he doesn't work out. But for Juve, they needed to do everything to make sure he worked out. He was basically a quarter of their revenue. And when you have that kind of disparity between leagues, then it becomes nearly impossible, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, that's a great um, illustration, Mina. Thank you for sharing that because that's a really like a vivid um, financial illustration. I think I, I, um, I, I agree with you completely. It's, it's money, money, money. There is a way that Serie A could get uh, the sort of equivalent status of those of those clubs in the current model, and that that. Um, scenario is that a, a group of extremely wealthy sheikhs come in who don't care about money and, and tip <laughs> all their money into it. Yeah. That's uh, that's how it works. The, the reality is that right now in the world of football, we have a small group of super clubs who are funded in ways that have no um, r- r- a relationship with the amount of money they bring in. 
Um, then you have a, another small pocket of clubs and Manchester United are obviously a good example of this, who are just so much um, more able to generate revenue than the others. And look, uh, that doesn't mean that Italian football can't be brilliant. I think this football season has been brilliant so far. I genuinely think that. Like, I think if you are able to separate yourself from the question of whether or not the best Italian team is as good as the best English team, um, which is one of those questions that we never really get the answer to anyway, because even in the Champions League, it's not always won by the best team. Um, then you can just enjoy the the football that's happening, which has been really entertaining. Um, and, you know, in a sort of slightly more sort of optimistic answer, if you want it for, for the Cannes Italian teams competing in Europe, like they did in the 90s, again, on the level of these other clubs that have more wealth, no, look, wealth will always talk. Do I believe that Italian clubs, well-run Italian clubs that make the most of their resources can still compete to win the Champions League? Yes, because it's football and mm. it's a knockout competition. So absolutely. And I think one of the best drivers for that will be what's happening at the moment, which is more than one club being competitive at the same time. Juventus had a very long period of... of, of um, total dominance. And by the way, they did reach two Champions League finals, so let's not pretend they weren't, they weren't close. Um, but I think that the overall bar is going to be raised in the next few years if we've got Milan, Inter, Juventus, Roma, Napoli, Lazio, all these clubs actually driving each other onwards with a sort of better decisions being made about how they run. And it's going to be a challenging climate because of COVID, but I, I feel like at this moment in time anyway, and of course, Atalanta. Sorry, I forgot to mention Atalanta, but they are in a very different financial reality again. But um, yeah, I, I think I think the, the trajectory right now is good. If you're asking for it to go back to the 90s, you need people who are richer than everyone else because the glory days of the 90s were ultimately funded by very, very rich individuals. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Okay, on to the next question. Last one is from Antonio Romano. Um, and he's from the UK. And he asked, why hasn't Insignia signed a contract extension at Napoli? Is it another Aurelio Di Laurenti's power play? <laughs> Do you think it's a power play, Nikki? <laughs> I don't think it's a Di Laurenti's power play. Although I think Di Laurentiis is, is a stubborn negotiator. Um, I, I actually think that uh, Di Laurentiis uh, does not want Insignia walking out on a free transfer. So I, I don't think this is a power play. I think... Uh, it's just been one of those situations where there hasn't been a lot of, of um, movement. And I think that ultimately, like most of these conversations, the reason it hasn't happened yet is it comes down to money. Napoli are definitely, despite not big transfer investments, they are quite heavily invested in terms of their, their finances and squad costs this summer. There wasn't a major outgoing this summer, which I think a lot of people expected there to be someone bigger leaving this summer. All of Italian clubs have gone through a tough time with COVID and perhaps um, balancing the books is going to be an interesting thing for a lot of these teams this summer, including Napoli. I think he doesn't want to overspend. I think Insigne doesn't want to accept less than he's worth. And that's where we are right now. But I don't think um, I don't think you should read that either as meaning that he's going to leave or that he's um, definitely saying. I think it's just it is currently a negotiation that is that is being held up by the most uh, mundane of things, but also very often the most important things in a contract, which is money. I do uh, I do wish that Juventus would follow sometimes Napoli's negotiation skills rather than just give everything that they want, you know, that the player wants. But uh, 
It is exactly that. It's a case of, you know, one wants to be paid what he thinks he's worth and the other one wants to make sure that no one gets carried away and that everything is viable and profitable and that they don't ever suffer the problems that Inter has suffered over the summer and what Juventus is suffering right now. So I think actually, if anything, it's intelligent to have somebody who is a strong negotiator other than the ego. Di Laurentiis has done a lot for Napoli in terms of, you know, on a financial stability level. Um, and in senior, that's a, that's a great point. The probably doesn't get said enough. Yeah, that, does, that probably doesn't get said enough, Mina. Like, he, like actually, like he has all sorts of foibles, but financially, Napoli have often been one of the better run clubs in Serie A. Yeah, they actually know how to turn a profit, which is remarkable considering what you see sometimes from the big teams, you know. Um, and and if they make investments, it's because they actually really feel like their their gamble's worth taking, like Osman, and it's worked out for them. So good for them in that level, and I think a lot could learn from them. And um, when it comes to Insigne, look, I think it's a it's a matter that we'll keep changing and we'll keep monitoring it a little bit like Kessia at Milan at, at this point. We know that Inter were interested, obviously, in Insigne. I think that he wants to play his football right now, not think about it. And there will be a point, possibly in January, in which they both talk about it again and see where we are then. But I think that's actually all we have, right, Nikki? I think that's it for now, yeah. A few coming in, but we shall answer them next time because we hope you enjoyed this Serie A Chronicles Q&A. Remember to get your questions in on Twitter at Serie Pod with the hashtag at Chronicles Q&A. To hear our full episodes each week with us, Miki Mandini and Mina Rizuki, be sure to subscribe to Serie A Chronicles on the Acast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. You can also follow, follow Serie A Chronicles on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And consider supporting the show at seriachronicles.com forward slash supporter. Ciao for now. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.